All right, so today we're kicking off a new series on eldership, and we'll see that it's a form of leadership that actually people don't invest much in. I actually begin with how critical it is that if a church does have wolves in the midst, where do they come from? And they come from elders. So stay tuned with this if you really want to identify where do these false prophets and false teachers come from and how they might be growing right in your midst. So in this episode, we're going to talk about elders, wolves in the midst. And I'm going to reference three uh, scriptures that you'll find in the show notes. And then we'll talk through about uh, why my thesis that elders are actually both the most critical, underinvested area in most churches and why it's dangerous because that is a breeding ground for wolves. So the first is, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves from Matthew 7.15. And I highlight this because it's a warning. If it were simple, then there probably wouldn't need to be one or many of these warnings. But notice that they come in sheep's clothing, which means they look just like other Christians. And this is what I found to be the case as well. Now, it might be just slight. Most people think of false prophets and elders um, who are wolves, like doing something dramatically wrong, something egregious. But that runs against the scripture itself, which says they come in sheep's clothing. In fact, some of the most dangerous elders I've experienced, it's in the small uh, forms of teaching that are errant, but you can tell it reveals something far deeper. Listen to this from Galatians 5, 7, 9. You are running so well. Who has obstructed you from obeying the truth? Such persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven works through the whole batch of dough. Third is what is the expectation? What is a requirement for an elder? And I think this is something that's overlooked way too often. And I'll talk about in another episode why that's done. But let's listen to Titus 1.9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So this is actually the key point, that the teaching is poor. Their capability to teach is poor, but that is not the primary uh, uh, area where they are vetted, qualified, developed. So let's think about why I think this is the the real wolf. So first, let's start with, is it a pastor? Sort of three tiers, pastors, elders, and new Christians. So pastors, where did they come from? Like a pastor, and we know there are many churches that have pastors that are false teachers. And on the one hand, I I feel because they are uh, so uh, visible and there are now a lot of forms of discernment uh, uh, ministries that call them out, particularly if they have very, very large audiences. I feel like this is slightly less of a big issue. It's still important, and I'm glad that those exist. Um, but I feel that it's somewhat harder for that to happen to sort of like out of the gate. Um, particularly if they're coming from a reputable uh, seminary background and from a church. But ha, there is the rub. Most of these pastors or many of these pastors were rose through the ranks and were elders either formally um, or 
un- informally. They were leaders in that church, but they weren't checked and developed. The and and the weakness was they're not putting enough attention on the eldership basis. And so what happens is someone comes in, they suddenly feel the authority as being an elder, and then they go off and become a pastor and they were wolves in that pack of elders. And that's because the focus is much less. Think about it. How much inspection of um, the thinking and teaching as a pastor versus the elders? You have the entire congregation. If there's at least somebody there who's discerning, they'll figure it out from the pastor. With an elder, an elder who doesn't teach, who doesn't speak much, who isn't around people, uh, which is a whole slew of problems right there, uh, is a false teacher. The third one is new Christians. They're too young to have influence. So there are many are who just don't have the background. They haven't studied it well enough. They might have errant thinking, but that's actually okay. That's supposed to be part of the church. There are many churches that have that. Paul encountered that, and that he, um, acting as, I, I guess, an, an elder influence, he wasn't necessarily the pastor of those churches, came in and corrected them, as he should. Uh, so, so here you kind of see the problem actually stems from poor elders, but they have the least visibility, the least transparency, but they also have an incredible responsibility. Many of these bad pastors who go awry at big, well-known churches such as Willow Creek or Hillsong, the elders protected the the pastors that went awry. I mean, Hillsong famously, the elder board shielded and blamed the other innocent people because their goal was not to be uh, stewards of the people. Um, they they were trying to protect the lead pastor, and that's faulty eldership right there. Uh, and so you can see the problem with elders are they don't put in check the bad pastors. Poor elders fail to check young Christians who might be developing errant, errancy in their thinking when that's the most critical time to get them. In fact, poor elders might actually indoctrinate people in their poor teaching and unbeknownst to them, lead people away from Christ. And that's why the verse from Galatians is so important. It doesn't take much. And I'll, I'll give you an example of an elder who's who on all intents, on, on the surface, seems like a good Christian, meaning attending faithfully and giving and doing sort of administrative tasks like corporate prayer. But the teaching is totally errant, but undetected. And, and this is more common. That's why I felt to start the series um, to do this, because it's dangerous. It really had negative repercussions in the church. Now, you might be saying, but wait a minute, that guy's going to church. If I were to go to him and say, hey, I think you're now, you know, kind of teaching errantly, and this is sort of like bordering on be- being a wolf, the response would be, but he doesn't have that intention. Well, I, I, I want to help church. I'm, I'm going faithfully. I'm serving faithfully. How could they possibly be a wolf? And here's where we'll spend some more time in some of these subsequent things, is that's a form of spiritual blindness. They speak like a Christian, act like a Christian, that's why many churches are called goat farms. And the spiritual blindness is a sense of they believe they are acting and following uh, God, but they really aren't. They're actually doing their own thing. And it is in many ways an element of the original sin. If we go back to Genesis 1 through 3, uh, particularly 3, uh, I, I don't believe 
Although they knew deep down, Eve certainly didn't think she was doing something explicitly wrong, even though clearly it was. It was she was becoming her own god. And Adam wasn't thinking anything explicitly wrong. I mean, how could they? I mean, they didn't have sin sort of there um, um, as we know it. But he clearly also did something wrong and believed he was doing something right. But when faced with God actually asking them, well, what are you guys doing? What's going on? That They began to realize something was not right. But they couldn't, they couldn't um, vocalize it. They didn't really understand. They just started to develop a very sense of, of shame. And so this is the problem. The churches don't know how to qualify they, 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 and, I'll, and I'll talk about the false qualifications, which are common. They definitely don't develop them, and they don't empower the broad uh, congregation to validate it. And that's actually the best way to mitigate it. So my own experience was someone who was an elder, and already I felt off that there was a number of things which I will go through in more detail, particularly around teaching, and presented something that was actually counter to Scripture, in a meeting with the deacons. And now nobody questioned him because he was already being granted this, this higher set of authority as an elder or an elder candidate. It was never really clear. But I then realized when went to him, at, assuming, well, he is an elder, for advice, and advice was wrong, and the demeanor wasn't becoming of a Christian. And then I started to drill down more deeply, and I started to think through what are the things that make for a good elder in the quality of their teaching, in the ability to minister, in their, in their ability to be uh, faithful um, in following Christ's word when it comes to like the material things in the word world and uh, money. And all these things to start to break down, I started to realize, but nobody's questioning it because we're looking at different things. And so, but, but once you have someone like that in there, as what happened to me, got bad advice, uh, which ended up becoming very, very damaging, uh, but it'll continue. Uh, like in this meeting with deacons, completely led the, the group completely in a wrong, unbiblical direction. And I think it hurt the church. It created division. And so I think that this is the time for us to really empower anybody who's a member of the church to know what am I supposed to look for in the elders because that'll help you to determine whether you should even bother being at the church. This is valuable for pastors because the, the time to start raising up elders begins way before you need it. I think one of the mistakes that many um, elders or, ch or church leaders wait till they're like, oh my gosh, we've got 200 people. We don't have any elders. We've got to get working on this when it should have been two years prior when you only have 60 people, which sounds like too early, but I actually disagree. I think actually being very clear and transparent about what's involved. And so that's the purpose of this series, and we're going to go through it because uh, my personal experience is just very damaging in multiple churches, seeing elders who are completely incapable. Not that they were bad people, and this shouldn't be to shame them, if they are able to repent and realize that they are working on their own um, qualifications of being unqualified and are humble and are able to realize that, that, that they, there is a higher uh, bar that is to be set and it's not just another sort of rung on a ladder that you kind of like can dial in. And so uh, the third audience for this first is for the congregation. That's the most important one. 
If you never aspire to be an elder and you just you're just in a church, you should be investigating the elders. Have conversations and ask yourself, well, if I don't know the answer to these questions or I can't feel the evidence is there on these things, then then maybe I've got to really, you know, question the leadership itself for how are they picking them? And pastors need to be able to be much more proactive in defining and clarifying and instructing and, and discipling. And then the elder candidates and elders themselves should use this book, or it's going to become a book at some point, but use this content to self-evaluate themselves and to be convicted. This is one of the biggest risks to all churches is allowing the den of wolves that are coming up through the ranks as elders because you just don't spend the time. You don't know how to do it. So this series, hopefully, will help people to address some of these issues. So stay tuned.